Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI HBR Minute podcast episode, I explore the recent HBR video, What Does Just Be Yourself Really Look Like at Work? Welcome back to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. It's great to be with you again today for this HBR Minute HCI podcast episode, and I'll be looking at the recent HBR video, What Does Just Be Yourself Really Look Like at Work? Everyone says to be authentic or just be yourself at work, but what does that really mean and why does it matter? Innovation editor Christine Liu explores this often blurry concept of being yourself while also being professional, quote-unquote. How do those two things intersect? Are there new rules to learn? Have workplace expectations changed over time? And from the employer point of view, what is to be gained from building a culture where employees can be authentic? This video also includes some Q&A with Madison Butler, a human resource and recruitment practitioner, about the challenges and benefits of bringing your most authentic self to the workplace. Thanks for joining me, and I'll catch you on the flip side of this first Have you ever gotten the advice, just be yourself? Don't try to be anything but yourself. Just be yourself. Just be yourself. Just be yourself. It's like, well, all right, at the end of the day, what does this really mean when it comes to your professional life and going to work? Outside of work, that is not a problem. But being myself at work, that's harder. Research shows that it's overall beneficial for people to be more authentic at work. So when I hear be yourself or be authentic, you're going to be honest, right? And then if you're honest, you might be blunt. And if you're blunt, I don't know, maybe you'll see be seen as abrasive. And if you're seen as abrasive, then like you're going to be named not professional. Here's my question. What does bringing my authentic self to work really look like? And have expectations changed over time? What about this past year? It's really a great question. And it's important for us to navigate within a given company culture what is actually meant if we hear those words. Bring your authentic self to work. Bring your whole self to work. Um, The reality is... Uh, while while many organizations may say those words, most organizations, in my experience, don't actually mean those words. And in fact, uh, as she mentions, there's so much research that talks about the benefits of creating a safe culture where people can be their authentic self. And she'll go more into that throughout this uh, video and the different segments uh, that we'll be looking at together. 
But despite all of that evidence, be, be, despite all of the ROI and the benefits to an organization for creating that kind of a culture, it simply rubs up against the nature of norms and kind of uh, collective similarities that organizations tend to thrive on and tend to try to reinforce whether they're really thinking about it or not. And so when you really want to have an environment where people can be authentic, then that also means you can't be punishing them for being their authentic self. And if you just label everything unprofessional, that doesn't seem to fit with your company norms, then that's not uh, creating a, a safe culture where people can be authentic at all, not even remotely. And so that's really the, the rub. That's the, that's the tension that she's exploring in this video that you'll have a chance to uh, parse out with, with them and as I provide my own commentary today. Misconception is that like if you 100% bring yourself to work, that's it. There's no, it's either, it's either like zero or a hundred. There's nothing in between when in actuality it is a hundred percent a personal choice. It's not like some all in or nothing. That's Madison Butler. She's the vice president of people and culture at a startup based in Austin, Texas. She specializes in workplace culture and in creating inclusive business environments. Madison, when you bring our authentic self to work, what does that really look like? How do you bring that? So obviously it's a little different now because we're not in the office, but I actually think the authenticity part is a lot deeper than about my blue hair or my tattoos. It's about being really honest with ourselves about everything else that's going on in our lives, whether it be COVID or George Floyd or you're going through a divorce. There's all of this other stuff that doesn't ha that happens every day and it doesn't pay for us to ignore those things. I think there is this misconception that we get to work, we check our human sweater at the door and we move on with life. Um, and that's just not reality. And hopefully that is so blatantly obvious to everyone that that's not reality, that there's no way you can just separate your personal life from your work life. You can't just, as she says, take your human sweater off at the door. I mean, it's quite nonsensical of a notion to even think that that might be possible, yet many organizations and many leaders expect exactly that. And even if they say, yes, we're inclusive, yes, we're a safe environment, bring your whole authentic self to work the workplace, then the next in the next uh, phrase, then they say, oh, but you need to dress this way. Oh, but your hair needs to be this way. Oh, you need to cover your tattoos. Oh, this, that, the other. And have, they have all these rules and social norms that restrict the free expression of that individual being their authentic self. And it's not just all of those physical characteristics and attributes like hair or tattoos or whatever. But again, like, can I emotionally show up to work and be myself and recognize that, yeah, things can be hard. Maybe I'm dealing with COVID health issues or economic challenges or, or family issues, divorce, whatever. Like there's so many different things that we're all dealing with on a regular basis. And we need work to be a place where we can go, where we can have support in all aspects of our lives so we can do our best work. And if, if an employer feels like, oh, that's not, that's not our job. Um, okay. I mean, you can say that, but you're not going to attract and retain the best people. And even if you do, you're certainly not going to get the most out of them because the bottom line is those other aspects of our lives influence the way we work and our productivity and our innovation uh, and all of those things that do matter to the organization. So even if you don't have much of a soul, even if you can't see the human side of the value of it, 
at least see the ROI, see, see the impact, see the cost savings and the increased productivity that will come as you try to be supportive of your people and allow them to be their authentic self at work. So Madison, you feel so comfortable being your authentic self and sending, sending that message to everyone. Was there ever a time like that it, this was hard for you or, or this wasn't always the case? Oh God. Totally. And I think, you know, that it starts much earlier than corporate America. I think, you know, even as we're growing up, we want to fit in, we want to have friends. I had this moment where I think, you know, we probably have all dated the wrong person at some point in our lives. Um, And I was a very different person for that person. And when I got out of that relationship, it was kind of like a promise that I made to myself that I wasn't going to do this again. But I hadn't made that commitment to myself at work yet. I remember the kind of turning point for me, though. I had an interview here in Austin um, and they kind of ranted and raved about how much they loved me and how great I was. And they really wanted to bring me on. And then it was followed by like this big fat butt. And it was like, we love you, but, um, we would need you to change your hair, cover your tattoos, wear dresses and heels. And I was like, Oh God, I wear Birkenstocks like every day. Um, and I think that was the first time that I really realized how many people have I worked for that didn't like me at all. They liked the idea of who they could make me into as long as I would make them money. Um, And I think that was the moment that I realized, like, if I'm going to work for someone else's dream, then they really need to value me at 100%. It's taken me a very long time to understand that if I make someone uncomfortable, that is not my responsibility. If you are uncomfortable with my blackness, my queerness, my blue hair, whatever it is, it's not my responsibility to make you feel comfortable. None of that has any impact on how I do my job except it makes me better at what I do because I embrace all of those things about myself. The butt is so damaging and it kind of breaks my heart to hear her tell that story on the one hand, though I'm also glad that she came to that personal realization that she doesn't need them. She's too good for that kind of an environment that, you know, they, they can't say they value her as an individual and then promptly turn around and say, but this, that, and the other. You need to do all of these things differently. You need to look differently. You need to act differently. And frankly, that's not showing value. That, that doesn't demonstrate that you actually care about or value your people. That shows that you care about and value the organization and the, the perpetuation of, of a certain image over your people, in fact. And that's quite uh, discouraging. So I'm glad she figured that out. I'm glad she didn't go to that business. I'm glad that she didn't uh, waste her time with them. And, you know, she was able to move on to greener pastures. Uh, and, and while the grass isn't always greener and there are problems everywhere, some places really are not a good place to be. And some places just are not a good fit. You shouldn't waste your time with them. Uh, just like uh, employers are looking for good fit and hiring someone who can really help them achieve what they want. As a leader, you should definitely be considering that. But as someone looking for work and on the labor market, you also need to realize that you're testing out the potential employer in their culture and remember your value and don't compromise for an organization that's not going to value you. I totally get where Madison's coming from. And thinking of my own story, there was definitely a time when I was like, yeah, I need to be myself here. I can't fit this mold that doesn't fit me. I was just about to graduate from college and I was going on all these job interviews and I felt forced to buy a suit, have sensible pumps, be very conservative, feel like I was in this sort of business mold. And 
it made me realize that this wasn't for me. I This was not my chosen path. And I needed to be in a place where I could be creative, wear color, you know, hang out with people that are outside of the, the corporate norm. And I'm also glad that she realized what she really needed, what she really wanted, and what was going to work and fit for her. She was trying to fit the mold. She was trying to play the game, uh, play the dance, and 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 conform with all of these things that you hear about in business school, about how you need to dress a certain way uh, and, and act in exactly a certain way in order to be considered for a job. It's so stupid. Uh, and any organization that has those kinds of criteria in trying to select uh, a potential hire, they deserve what they get. And what they get are conformists. Uh, and if that's what they want, great. They get a bunch of conformists who aren't going to be creative, who aren't going to push the envelope, uh, and they're going to have to deal with the repercussions of that. On the other hand, if it doesn't actually matter, if they don't really need people to conform that strictly, then why in the world do we allow ourselves to be so biased towards those types of things when we're going through the hiring process? Why in the world would we care what kind of shoes someone is wearing when they're applying for a job? Why would we care if they're wearing a business suit or a skirt or if they're wearing blue jeans in a sports jacket or whatever? I mean, certainly you need someone who can interact with um, customers or with clients. Uh, sure, I get that. But like really drill down, what do you need in terms of those, those uh, conformity pieces? Most of the nonsense that organizations say they need, they don't need. And all it does is put undue restrictions on people, and it doesn't create a safe space for people to be their true authentic self at work. Just labeling it as unprofessional dress doesn't make it so. It really just means that the organization is behind the times and doesn't really know what they're talking about when they're trying to have a positive organizational culture. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. What is the proper way to approach the idea of bringing your authentic self and what is the, like a sort of misnomer or misconception about it? 
When it comes to the things that you disclose at work or the things that you bring to work, that is 100% up to that person. Um, There will be tons of people who, regardless, never want to talk about their family or their relationships at work, and they don't have to, and that's fine. But then there are other people who are completely fine talking about those things, and I think that's fine too. Um, I really hate the word professional because, again, just like corporate America, the word professional was not intended for people who look like me. So that's really interesting. Essentially, it's about the employer giving people the autonomy and choice to bring as much as they want to work. So if I think about myself, I guess I put myself around, I bring maybe 50% of myself, you know, freely to work. But what if you're not as lucky and you find yourself in a restrictive environment that doesn't really allow you to make that choice of how much you bring of yourself to work? I mean, what is the real cost there? The autonomy and choice to bring as much or as little of yourself into the workplace. It's a pretty darn simple concept, and I understand why um, individuals may not want to be out at work, for example, if they're uh, part of the LGBT community, for example. I get that. Uh, I get why within a certain context, you may not want to talk about your family. You may not want to talk about uh, political leanings or those sorts of things. And if they choose not to, that's totally fine. But it also should be safe and okay for someone to be able to express some of those types of things. Now, not obviously not in an abrasive, obnoxious, in-your-face kind of a way, but for someone to just like show up being who they are, uh, it, that shouldn't be uh, concerning to people. Uh, that, that shouldn't be threatening to people. And if it is, that says a lot more about those who feel threatened um, than it does about the person who's just trying to be themselves. It is so exhausting to be two people during the day. <laughs> I worked with someone who I used to ask them, why don't you ever come to like company-sponsored happy hours or events? And her response to me was, you know, I go sit in my car every day at lunch just so I can breathe and like put my guard down for an hour because it is so exhausting to be someone else for eight hours a day that I just can't even fathom doing it after 5 p.m. And so when you get people who are in situations like that, you're spending so much of your energy making sure that you fit in, that you didn't come across a certain way, that it's impossible to be completely 100% great at what you're doing. When you empower people to be exactly who they're intending to be in the world, you get people who are more focused on what they're doing every day. If I'm not focused on the sound of my voice, I can really focus on what I'm saying. It is totally exhausting to try to be two different people, two different personas, your your actual self at home when you're with friends and family outside of the workplace, and then you just put on this professional quote-unquote facade while you're at work because that's how they expect you to act. It is exhausting, particularly for those who aren't extroverts. I mean, if, if you're an introvert and you're already having to put on um, you know, this kind of uh, mask in order to interact with people throughout the day, it's exhausting anyways. You add on top of that, like, I have to be different than who I actually am and I have to watch everything I say and everything I do to make sure that I don't in some way send a negative signal to somebody because their their understanding of what is acceptable is so limited in scope and scale that they're placing me into this box. If that's what you have to do, it is exhausting. And of course, that's going to diminish your productivity, your ability to work effectively in the workplace. Organizations should stamp that kind of nonsense out 
don't reinforce it in any way. And anytime you catch wind of it happening, you stamp it out. You get rid of that nonsense because it's only going to hurt the organization. And of course, it's going to hurt the individuals. And that should matter. So what if I'm an employer and look, this is going to be a cynical point of view, but hey, business is good. I don't want to rock the boat. And anyway, why should I let my employees bring their outside lives into the workplace? Human capital is the most expensive capital we all have. So it pays for us to take care of our human capital retention and costs a lot of money. It costs a lot of money to onboard people. Um, For example, there is a company who I won't name. um, They're actually really big, but their onboarding process costs about a million dollars per employee. So if you have someone who lasts about 18 months, um, have you actually gotten your return on investment? Probably not. Um, So it actually pays to understand the humans in your building, regardless of what industry we're in or how many people we have. At the end of the day, we have people. And if you understand how they work and why they work and why things maybe aren't as streamlined as they were last week, you you have a better chance of coaching them and leading them to be successful. Human capital is our most essential and expensive asset that an organization has as it's trying to bring value to the marketplace. So she she talks about the cost of turnover, the cost of getting a new person into a position and up to speed. And obviously it depends on the industry, it depends on the position, the level within the organization. It depends on a lot of factors. But the bottom line is it is expensive, even for low entry level types of positions that require low education, it can be expensive. And and when you start to move up into um, higher levels of, of positions, even into middle and upper management executive ranges, it is incredibly costly uh, to have that kind of turnover. And if you have somebody who doesn't feel like they can be themselves at work and they feel that constant grind and that tension between who they are and what the organization expects them to be, and ultimately they're having to like live this double life and put on this facade and be exhausted at each and every day at work because they can't be who they are, they're not going to stick around. Why would they stick around in that kind of an environment, especially if they're good? Because they're going to have options. And other organizations who have their stuff together and they, they're not um, completely in denial about you know, what a, a healthy culture is, uh, they're going to benefit because they're going to be, be able to attract those people away. So don't shoot yourself in the foot. Don't be stupid. Uh, it's really not that complicated. So I learned a lot from Madison. It was really great to hear her story and her insights about bring your whole self to work. And now I understand it. It's it's really not just you know things you're wearing or things you're showing or the color of your hair. It's really about the ability to bring your whole complex self to the office. And for employers out there, retention saves money. If you allow people to be themselves at work, they'll probably stay. So regardless of how you feel, at the end of the day, you employ humans. And if you don't value humans, then you have no business employing them. Yes, you employ humans. And yes, it is better for the bottom line of the organization. And yes, if you can create a safe place where people can be their whole authentic self at work, it will benefit them. It will benefit the organization. And ultimately, it's a win-win for everyone. So it's really a no-brainer. Organizations and leaders, all of you listening, I hope that you'll take this message to heart. It's really a rather simple message, but I understand that it can be a challenge for organizations to really 
pivot away from the status quo and what they've always done. Uh, because organizations are built, bureaucracies are built for maintaining the status quo. I get that. Change can be hard. And if you're trying to shift a culture towards more inclusive culture, towards uh, really truly inviting people to bring their authentic self to work, that will require you to demonstrate over time in a sustainable way and build trust with your people that they actually can do it without being penalized for it. And remember that it only takes a few actions uh, to, to undo all of the work that you're trying to do. So you can put out a campaign and you can say all the right things and you can try to do all the right things. But as soon as you have that boss who penalizes somebody for showing up, you know, with, uh, with some aspect of themselves that, that the boss deems quote unquote unprofessional word gets around, everyone realizes, Oh, they don't actually mean it. Uh, I have to conform. Otherwise, uh, I'm going to be penalized or I'm not going to get the promotion or whatever. And then, and then it's all undone. So be, be real, be, uh, be committed to this kind of an approach. And if you do, it will benefit everybody. As always, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.